0: Well, I don't know about you, but my clothes are very happy the holiday season is over. <laughs> somebody, came, I, somebody came in early this morning, they said to me, I was up here in the Chancellor they said, you're not going to make a step on that, are you? <laughs> no, I'm not even stepping on that today. Uh, Joe and I purchased some caramel popcorn from our grandson. Uh, from Boy Scouts and we're steadily working our way through the cans of uh, popcorn. I don't think we even gave too many of those cans away. We've been keeping them for ourselves. Christmas season is, you know, you just don't want to get the scales out even, right? In fact, looking at a scale at the Christmas season is like seeing your mom and dad kissing. Ooh, You just, you just want to look away. You don't want to see it. In fact, my scales at home are hidden underneath my clothes in my closet. So I don't even have to look at that scale during this time of the year. Um, you know, for a time in my life, I didn't even own any scales. I didn't want to own any scales, because I didn't want to know how much I weighed. In fact, I would put off every year going to the doctor, not because I didn't like going to the doctor or didn't like the doctor, it was because I didn't want to step on the scales. What's the first thing they do when you come through, right? It's in the hallway, in front of everyone, and so as I was headed through the door, I'd start taking stuff off, like rings and watches, necklaces, coats, jackets. As much as I could without embarrassing the people in the hallway. And uh, then it would be like when I did step on the scales, it would be like looking at it with one eye, like that was going to make a difference. And um, yeah, so it's a painful experience, but yet it is an important thing to know, isn't it? It's an important thing to know where you start from. It's necessary to know where you start in order to get on the right path. When I did decide that I was going to try to get to a healthier life, then the scales became my friend. They were something that I looked forward to stepping on every day so that I could see that I was progressing in the manner that uh, I needed to be moving. Peter Drucker says it this way. He is the person who brought effectiveness and efficiency into the manufacturing industry. He says it this way, if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. True, right? Can I get a witness? If you can't measure it, you can't improve it. And if it's important for me to measure my physical, my weight, my, my body, if it's important for me to do that, then how much more important is it for me to measure my inner self, my soul? Judas Smith, I, too, am reading a book, Marvin. Um, My book's probably a lot less more complicated than your book. But this is my book, How's Your Soul by Judah Smith. It's a wonderful read. I'm really enjoying reading this book. Judah is not Methodist. He's not a Methodist pastor. However, his question is highly Wesleyan. You see, John Wesley started every small group Every gathering with this question, how is it with your soul? Now that's a much deeper and different question than how are you, right? Because when people ask us how how are you, what do we respond with? I'm fine, good, things are going well. But how is it with your soul makes you look inward? The question begs you to look at the inside of your heart. What really is going on with you? How are you really? Now, I really hate that question because it does make me stop and examine, measure my inner self. I used to work for a senior pastor who um, every year would gather the staff around a campfire or around a living room and he would say, how are you really? That discussion would go on for hours. So if that question came out, we knew we were there for a while. And the discussion would take boxes of Kleenex and lots of laughter as we really got in tune with where we were, how it was with our soul, how we were really now when was the last time you asked yourself that question when is the last time you even thought about your soul your inner self to ask yourself how am i doing how am i really doing you know it's imperative that our soul be healthy so do we even examine that parts of our, that part of our life. Now, the soul is discussed hundreds of times in the biblical scriptures. It's sometimes talked about in relation to heart, soul, spirit. And different words bring us to a different understanding of each meaning within the particular scripture. But I really like how King David described the soul. We talked about that, we sang it. Earlier on in the service, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. I like how King David used all that that is within me to describe the soul. The understanding of our soul comes from the very first book in the Bible, from Genesis, chapter 2, verse 7. These words, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, when you look up this scripture in commentaries, you get all kinds of answers, which tells us one thing. This verse has a very, very unique meaning. So i started looking up all the different things i found three different hebrew words for this particular scripture out of three different commentaries so what do you do when you don't speak hebrew and you need to know the true meaning you call a rabbi right (laughs) so that's what i did i went um, to my little cousin's bat mitzvah this last year and i met rabbi heidi and so i had her cell phone i texted her and i asked her what the true meaning of this is that different commentaries had different words for it and so she said it is nishmat chayin i probably massacred that pronunciation but nishmat meaning the breath chayin meaning of life now i learned in seminary that this was ruach but no Nishmat Chayin is a different understanding that God breathed into the nostrils of humanity and the human beings became alive. In fact, the common English Bible says it this way. The Lord God formed the human from the topsoil of the fertile land and blew life's breath into his nostrils. The human came to life. Breath here is not just this movement of air as ruach, the Holy Spirit, that, that Holy Spirit moving and blowing as we read in Pentecost. No, this includes the essence of life in this. The main emphasis in the scripture is not the topsoil or the dirt or the sand, it's how God is using this, how God is breathing into humanity, Adam, Adam. Adam into his nostrils life and until that happened Adam was like a corpse he was just this human body he was no more or less a lifeless body God suddenly causes Adams heart to start beating and pumping his arteries to direct clean blood to all the parts of the body and his lungs to exchange oxygen to carbon dioxide, God's breathing into Adam's nostrils is the closest that human language can even come to, to expressing that God gave us life, this soul that makes us who we are. I love how Paul is talking to Timothy and what we need to do to have this healthy, self, this healthy soul. You know, it's easy to measure the outside, right? It's easy to measure the outside. We can get on a scale, painful as it is, or we can take our blood pressure or take a blood test and, and we might be prescribed some things to get on a healthy diet and exercise, to have a prescription of medicine that helps our body Uh, react in the way that it needs to, but how do you measure the inside? How do you do that? How do you even begin to understand what you need to have a healthy soul? What's the prescription for that? Well, if you need a prescription, it is. Be in the presence of God. The scripture says, Be still and wait patiently for the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. Our souls came from and depend on and long for the God, the one who gave us life. God's presence is essential in this ongoing soul health. So Paul is telling Timothy, this is what you need to do in order to live this healthy lifestyle. I'm going to read it to you from the message now. Pastor Sheila just read it to you from the common English. The message puts things sometimes in unique uh, wordings that is everyday language. He says to Timothy, you've been raised on the message of the faith and have followed sound teaching. Now pass on this counsel to the followers of Jesus there and you'll be a good servant of Jesus. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God, no spiritual flabbiness please. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so making you fit both today and forever. Now, Paul borrows, as he often does, a sports illustration. Marvin, you and Paul have that in common, common, right? And so he brings in an illustration in which people would understand. He talks about the physical fitness. And he says, no spiritual flabbiness here. Paul urges Timothy, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly train and training. The Greek word, the root part of that comes from gymnasium. And so we come to understand that routine workout. How many people have been hitting the gyms this first of the year? I had a friend who said he couldn't even get into the gym the other day, who he works out regularly, because all of the people who had flooded into the gym making a New Year's (laughs) resolution to, to get fit. But like a regiment, like a physical regiment, Paul is telling Timothy make your spiritual regiment be the same. Turn toward God. For physical training is of some value, but godliness should we say cross-training, right? Cross-training is more valuable. It's for this life here and the life forevermore. You know, God wants the best for us. Amen? God wants the best for us. And Jesus Christ, when he came, fully God, fully human, told us that he came to give life, life in what? All of its fullness. God wants the best for us. He loves us so very much. He wants us to ask ourselves how we're doing Take some measurements on the inside and all that is within me. Maybe it's been a long time since you asked yourself that question. Maybe it's been a long time since you even thought about your inner self. There's a card in your bulletin today that might help you take some measurements What are the things that I'm engaging in that bring my soul closer to God? What are the things that I'm doing that are putting a wedge between God and myself? I I don't know about you, but that happens to me all the time. What are those things that kind of come into play in my life that make me miss the mark? The scriptures say, not some will fall short, right? But all will fall short. What are those things in my life that are getting between me and God? What are the things I'm engaging that are draining the life out of my soul? I mean, we can automatically think sometimes of what those things are that are draining us. And sometimes we can't avoid them. There may be possibly some things that are a part of our work job, our vocation. There are some parts of it that drain us, but... What is it that we can surround ourselves with to help us move in the right direction? What are the things that I'm doing in my life that really make my soul shine brightly? That God's manifestation shines forth, that we can see God and and experience God. What makes our soul flourish? These are some good measurement questions. A good way to kind of start out the new year. How am I really? Basically, our souls are at home. At home when we're with the Lord. We are created by God and for God and we find ourselves most fully when we find ourselves with God. Our soul is healthiest when it comes back frequently and wholeheartedly to God. Amen? Our soul is healthiest when we find those routines in our life that bring us continually to God and we meet God with all of our self, all of our inner self and say, here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am, Lord, broken and you know me better than I do, God, right? To have those moments with God. You know, I once read that being in the presence of God, in other words, praying, talking with God, being silent and listening for God, is to our souls as breathing is to our bodies. It's necessary. Wesley's question. How is it with your soul? Helps me to make sure my soul is breathing. Helps me to remember that being with God is as necessary as my body needs air and oxygen to live. How is it with your soul? I hope it's reminding you, as it's been reminding me, To pause, to pray, to wonder, to be in awe of God's creation and God's people, to laugh, to cry, to sing. As we come to the table today, be with God. Open yourself up to receive the bread of life. Open yourself up to ask yourself how you are really.